sun shines bright in those hills far away Where back in my childhood I'd wander and play And when I think about it now, it all seemed just like a dream Sitting on the front porch with my granny breaking beans Welcome back to Breaking Beans, the Kentucky Food and Farm Story, hosted by Community Farm Alliance. This month, we're going to hear from Jan Navage, co-owner of Fox and Him Farm, yoga teacher, board member of Community Farm Alliance, extension agent, and all-around super pleasant human. This interview took place in June of this year when Jan and her partner Kevin were moving their farmstead operation from Winchester to Campton, Kentucky. Well, I'm Jan Navage. Um, I First and foremost, um, I am a first-generation farmer. I um, co-own and run uh, Fox and Hen Farm, and we're currently in uh, Winchester, or outside of Winchester, Kentucky, but we're moving to um, Campton, Kentucky. And uh, my nine-to-five job, I work for the University of Kentucky's Nutrition Education Program as their food system specialist working on um, making growing your own food and foraging your own food and hunting for your own food um, accessible to folks that are limited resource, so those that are SNAP or SNAP eligible. And um, I also sometimes teach some yoga classes and try to emphasize um, teaching outside so folks can connect with themselves and to the earth. So those are my um, three occupations that meet different parts of um, who I am, and I'm very fortunate to be able to do each of them. Yeah, you're also a Community Farm Alliance board member, right? Oh my gosh, yes, I am. Uh, Just as of this year, so for the last six months or so, I have been on the board, and I am actually the board secretary, so I take all the notes, um, and that came to be probably through my connection because I was a former um, CFA staff member uh, working in the Southeast on farm to table things uh, a few years back. Did your work with Community Farm Alliance lead into the work that you're doing um, with Extension right now? Oh, I would say 100%. It definitely was um, a big catalyst and stepping stone uh, before working for CFA. I was working in Floyd County at a school um, working on a farm garden initiative with students um, at the David School and I was there for two years and it was wonderful uh, and I knew a lot of folks through Grappalatch in that program but had just begun kind of learning about the broader farming community in Kentucky and so after that job is when I started working for CFA and I feel like it took what I was doing at the David School and just like launched me into this huge statewide community and just like opened up my eyes to like the local food movement and farm to table uh, in the state and um, I feel like I can totally credit CFA for um, just like helping me be immersed in meeting folks and learning from folks and um, you know I'm forever grateful so I'm really really thankful to be uh, on the board. And you said that you're a first-generation farmer. Um, What led you into wanting to grow food? So this will take us back a bit. (laughs) Uh, When I was a kid, 
so I grew up in Northeast Ohio, and um, my mom was really big into just making sure that she fed us healthy foods. We didn't grow up with a garden or anything, um, but she was always trying to, like, sneak vegetables into things, and you know, in a kind of, I don't know, nondescript way. Like, she would make us eat spinach noodles and things like that, or I was always trying to, like, switch out our juice. And, you know, we'd always fight her and be like, we like what we used to eat or whatever. But she was always really big into nutrition. And so um, when I went to college, I ended up studying nutrition in undergrad and um, thought, okay, this is definitely what I want to do. But uh, my the year before my senior year, I um, lived in community and did a summer service. And uh, my job was the sustainability um, coordinator for the summer and uh, I grew my very first garden with the help of my community members and that was just like such a neat process I mean it was probably like a six by six or, or a ten by ten at the most garden bed you know and I had never even grown anything from a seed besides like when I was in elementary school and you know we did experiments so it was like totally brand new to me and it just like ignited something in me and so the next summer after my senior year I uh, worked on a uh, organic farm in um, western Ohio just north of Dayton where I went to school and um, that again was just like another step in the direction of like instead of teaching people like necessarily how to eat healthy or you know the more nutrition side of things I really want to focus on like where our food comes from and I didn't really know at the time how to get into that besides just like volunteering and, and working on farms and things. Um, so it was like slow moving because it was like, oh, well, here I studied like the science of the food and, you know, how it breaks down in your body and, and fuels you. And now I want to shift gears and I, you know, need to learn about like soil and I need to learn about life cycles of plants and, you know, had some foundation because of biology classes, but, um, so since then, you know, it was just growing gardens, and then I worked at the David School, which was a, a big jump, um, and being mentored by folks that grew up Appalachia, and just, like, how to farm, and how to run a large garden, kind of, I would say it's a large garden over a farm, but, um, and just, like, what it meant to process your food, and uh, what were the different permits, and you know, that all happened and really took off when I was at the David School, just the act of farming um, and working with the students and teaching them. You know, I had to be able to be pretty competent myself, but I was, like, definitely learning with them. Um, so that just, like, increased the love of growing food. And then I knew after I was uh, done with my position there and I I hopped on over to work with CFA. I was like, okay, one day I want to farm for myself. Because um, at first it was kind of just like, oh, what can, you know, I, how can I help people and how can I learn from them while I'm assisting and just being another set of hands or whatever. And um, then teaching and things, it was like, okay, now how can I farm and take what I've learned and build it into something that like kind of brings all of my values together, I guess. Um, and so for a while it was just assisting farmers, again, still learning from all these people that have all this experience, um, learning their stories and the way they do things and, you know, 
attending extension meetings without yet having worked with like worked for them but just like going to their gardening classes and things on perennials and bees and you know whatnot um and just learning from peers and and whatnot um and then uh i guess in 2018 when uh, my partner kevin and i were uh still living in a very small space with a very small yard, we decided to incorporate a business, a farm, so that would be Fox and Hen Farm, um, because we were looking for land and we were applying for uh, special loans uh, that, uh, because we were not um, married, they wanted us to be incorporated in some way. It was a long thing. But anyway, we did that without having growing everything we had in five gallon buckets we used to have to put them out in the yard and then move them once a week into the driveway so that um we could mow because we lived in a community and um like this little community in Stanton and then we put them back out in the sun when the mowing was done um so we were definitely like ridiculous um for a good whole season and then um, while we were like had this incorporated farm, but we were really just gardening, uh, our neighbor at the time, her um, her daughter reached out to us and was like, hey, um, you know, I see all your plants all the time. And I have this like three acre plot with a house that actually my tenant did like just moved out of. Would you be interested in uh, renting it? And so I immediately was like, we'll come see it like that would be awesome because we had spent like the better part of 2018 trying to buy land and just like having the worst go at it whether it was like we put an offer in and then the inspector found like the foundational beams to be rotted or to not be up to like building standards and codes of that area or um, electrical wires being you know every which way or plumbing like we I think put offers on like three, four, I can't even remember because I think I blocked it out to be honest. <laughs> uh, maybe three three different properties we put official offers where the bank and everything had a contract thrown off. All within the matter of like a few months. And um, something was ended up being wrong with each of them and we had to like step out um, of the contract. And I mean, it was areas from, I think it was, um, around Stanton, around the Slade area, all the way over in Berea. Like, we were looking in this large area and just having a hard time. So anyways, when um, our neighbor at the time's daughter reached out, you know, I was just, like, grasping at straws and was like, you know what? This isn't going to work out for us to buy right now. Let's just take a year and, like, farm some, like, in a rented space or whatever. So uh, I kind of dragged Kevin along in that. I don't think that was the most ideal thing for him, but but we were both a bit burnt out from the real estate um, process. So, um, you know, we moved on over here to about 15 minutes from Stanton. So we're on the Clark-Powell County line, but on the Clark side now. And so there's about one acre that's flat. And then the other two are kind of like a hill. And they had a barn. So we imme- immediately 
literally just jumped in that fall, which was the fall of 2018, and we got um, chickens so that they would be ready for 2019, like, uh, season. They would already be laying, which now I would say people do not get your chickens at that time because you got to get them through the winter when they're very young. But, of course, neither of us had, hadn't had chickens at the time, and uh, someone had actually um, offered them to us. So they were given to us as chicks. Um, and so we were like, sure, yeah, we can give them a home, you know. Well, it was like the best learning experience, but like I feel like we really learned uh, the hard way because we were not prepared. <laughs> but now they're a big blessing and, and we love them. So it were all worked out and everyone's healthy and whatnot. <clears throat> we just joke that we're like the house of strays because even our chickens were like adopted versus like <laughs> us choosing them. Um, that's also how all our dogs and cats are as well. So it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so then 2019, we uh, planned a market garden. We built a little lean-to greenhouse onto the house that we are at, the one that we rent. Our landlord was pretty lax and just said, you know, as long as nothing's permanent, like you can go for it, as long as it can be taken down. So all the infrastructure we did here was always with that in mind, that whatever we do has to be able to be taken down, which is like a really strange way to do something that's supposed to be a more permanent, where you're putting this time into the soil, into the land, and <clears throat> trying to build infrastructure to be there for years. So now looking back, um, renting was probably in the like scope of like, you know, what was our true mission in this? Like maybe not how we would have loved to start, but it just seemed like uh, our only option at the time. Um, so we, we grew and we sold at the Winchester Clark County Farmers Market last year, which was a really awesome group of farmers and um, you really need to be a part of that community. Uh, and we had intended, and I guess I should say, we grew vegetables and um, a lot of herbs and we focused a lot on basil because of Kevin's past experience with um, when he was growing and selling outside of D.C. They um, sold a lot of different basils. And, and so that's kind of like his, you know, specialty. So uh, so we grew a lot of basil, a lot of tomatoes, did a lot of dehydrating and processing to make value-added products and things. Um, and then so we intended to continue on doing that uh, this year, but uh, in the very beginning of the year, our landlord mentioned that she was um, not exactly thrilled with being a landlord anymore, and it was just too uh, much to keep up with with her life, so she was going to sell. And that came out of the blue and was interesting since we had had, you know, a contract to do this and things. And um, so we were like, oh, my gosh, what do we do? So for like four months of this year, it was back and forth of like, I'm going to sell. I'm not going to sell. I'm going to sell. I'm not going to sell. And so then finally in April, we decided no matter what she decided, we needed to, you know, like make our transition. Uh so we started doing that. We again started looking for property to move the farm to and uh, just had the two most terrible luck again. So I don't know 
nope, the universe is just telling us that we we are not ready to own our own farm, uh, land anyways, but, uh, you know, we had called and tried to put a few offers on just raw land, but each time we did, actually, uh, someone had called, like, the day before, or even in some instances, like, the hour or two hours before we called um, and had put in an offer and signed a contract. And so it was so interesting because when it looked like, oh, there are several options of awesome pieces of land and the counties that we're looking in, within the matter of like a week after we had went through the you know, pre-approval process as a lender, they had all been bought, or, or not bought, but put under contract. And then there were really no pieces of land that were in like our price range anymore. So then we were like, I guess we just wait again. So that has led us to deciding uh, we're going to transition by the end of this month, so June. And uh, we're actually moving to a little cabin that we own in the Red River Gorge that's on about a half acre that's mostly wooded. And we're not going to do the market garden and be a part of uh, market this year just because it didn't seem feasible and we're really, really downsizing our space. And so we're just gonna garden and um, kinda, we have some ideas up our sleeves of ways we can still contribute to the community um, through food, but not positive yet how it'll shake out. Uh, And we will take all our creatures, but about half of the chickens are gonna be rehomed to two other farms who already have chickens and just actually needed to expand their flocks. So that works out really well since our space is a lot smaller. We wanted everyone to be like happy and healthy uh, and not on top of each other because that's just not really in um, our production plan and whatnot. So we'll still have some eggs and we'll still be doing a lot of homesteading things and building up like an edible uh, forest and landscape around this little cabin. But that's what we decided we're going to put our efforts towards this growing season while we continue to look for land and, um, you know, put a pause on some things while we maybe have the opportunity to focus on some others. So that was like in one breath, I said all of that. So if there's something very specific um, we should talk about, you let me know. <laughs> you have such a beautiful way of telling a story very like chronologically and smoothly without extraneous detail. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad because sometimes I'm told that I over explain. So if, uh, if that's how you feel, we can definitely shorten that down a bit. No, that was beautiful. <laughs> it was like it was written down. <laughs> it was really beautiful. Oh, no, no, no. This is me just pacing my house. But I feel like I've kind of been reflecting on it so intensely mm-hmm. to, like, wrap my head around transitions and trying to do things with some grace because in the very, very beginning, I was just so upset and sad. And I was like, well, this isn't going to help anyone, and I'm not going to be very productive in this state, so i got to do my best to work my way out of it. And so I think by going through, like, this has actually been, like, a two-year journey. Can I, like, go through it and process and then maybe this is us just getting time to breathe, you know, or something mm-hmm. has helped me like, 
you know, come out on, with, with more light than, like, darkness on it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think that's yeah. really beautiful. I mean, like, even in the midst of talking about this really hard time that, well, what I would perceive as a really hard time that you and, and Kevin are going through, it seems like you're so hopeful. And I think part of that comes with, like, one, not having to do it alone and having, like, a really awesome partner. But, two, we have to have so many awesome people. Like, one, no, we were looking for land. Two, no, we were trying to do renovations on this cabin. And just, like, reaching out and being like, hey, I know that COVID has made it hard for us to be together. But, like, if there is one or any way that we can, like, assist you, just, like, let me know. And uh, that has been just, like, you know, when you can start focusing on that, like, wow, like, X amount of people have reached out in some capacity just to say, like, hey, I have some free time. Can I help you with this? Or can I send you this? Or, you know, whatever. has just been really great. I'm so glad that you're still feeling that community support and involvement in the midst of, of COVID. I think that can really help us stay positive through this difficult time that everybody's going through together but when you add other life stuff on top of it it can be a little bit more hard right right mm-hmm. and um oh yeah it's definitely been a bit of a strange time but uh when I was trying to think about when this could have happened right because nobody wants this stuff to necessarily happen but sometimes like the universe is kind of pushing for change or whatnot like um ultimately it it was a blessing that both Kevin and I were home to like knock out some some of these like projects we had to do to get ourselves moved because you know moving a house no problem but like I was like I've never moved a farm like (laughs) you know I've never taken down x amount of fence posts and never and found a way to store them and decide what's necessary versus where it's not it was just like really really overstimulating to like try to game plan for so many projects but um having like the capacity to just be home and in the space that I have to do it even if I'm working on other stuff ended up being um really fortunate like just yeah it 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 worked out I guess I'm not sure if that's appropriate to say but I guess that's how I feel, so. Yeah, then it's appropriate Um, to say. (laughs) Yeah, so. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, too, like, a lot of folks are are having to rent land because it's so hard. I don't know if it's as difficult to find land in other parts of the country um, because I've only ever looked for it in Kentucky, but it's incredibly difficult. You're not the only um, person that I know that's looking for land right now. Um, and it seems like any nice chunk of land has a big old house on it that nobody can afford or (laughs) it's a kind of like difficult piece of property with no house. Like there's all these really, um, seems really difficult to find a good piece, a good chunk (laughs) to grow food on. Yes. And, um, I don't know, like going through, um, like a bank or a lender, has been really eye-opening because, well, Kevin and I both uh, have student loans and things, and so um, we just don't have, like, 
necessarily the savings to like outright buy a parcel of land. So um, at first, you know, we got approved through a bank for um, a spot with a home, which is totally different than getting approved for just a piece of land. Like the rules completely changed. You can't just like flip flop them. You have to go through an entire new pre-approval process which both expire at some time. So if you don't buy a home during that time, you have to start it again. Mm. Um, I feel like I could potentially counsel people on <laughs> on how to apply for these things, which I don't really want to because it wasn't like full of joy, but it was a good thing to like have to hash out to understand that like accessibility to money sometimes is just, can be really challenging. For a lot of reasons, you know, and um, a lot of times because we were in the process, you know, we weren't as competitive as some other buyers who can just offer cash. And of course, if someone's going to offer you cash and you don't have to go deal with a bank, you're probably going to go with that person unless you really, really like the other people. So that was really eye-opening and really humbling. Um, just frustrating at times. But I feel like we're almost, almost over that hump. We're in the process with a new lender right now who focuses on farm loans. Um, so we're kind of hopeful. But, um, yeah, like the turnaround time because of COVID was actually extended by weeks of, like, what normally is um, the time to get pre-approved from this organization just because they're at low capacity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are buying buying property because interest rates are low with the current market and things and um so it's just interesting but um i'm hoping in the end it's going to happen when it's going to happen and it'll be fine um and i just have to be patient which you know is not always the easiest thing but i think these are the times that you grow the most yeah i totally agree Patience yeah. when you have all the skills and the know-how and the drive to want to do something and there's just one big but tiny piece missing, I think can be the most difficult. <laughs> I think um, I'm going to get a little metaphysical on you, but for for me with this, like exactly what you said is like you have all this like want and desire and, and potentially even capacity to do it and, and you're told to wait. I kind of equate it to, like, I feel like I've had, okay, so we have a lot of um, trees, like perennial bushes and trees and buckets, because we would buy them, like, randomly at conferences or when they were on sale, and we're like, okay, we'll just buy them, try to size them up, and then we'll put them in the ground when we have land. Well, now, as you can, like, see, two years of doing that has created a lot of perennials and buckets. And um, our new space cannot house them all. There's just not enough space for that many trees. So I almost, like, think of myself as, like, this tree. And I'm going to use, like, a pawpaw as an example because they have a tap root, you know. So it's different than just that ball of roots that kind of just goes out any way it wants. Like, you know, it goes straight down. And when it's in a bucket, you totally, like, hinder the tree's growth because it will go down and then it goes to the side. And then eventually it has nowhere to go. So I almost feel like we're these trees and buckets that have wanted to, like, put our taproot, like, deep, deep down and really dig in and, like, foster a piece of land and, you know, do it in this environmentally aligned way. 
and like haven't been able to and I can just feel it between both Kevin and I there's so many things we'd love to do but we always have this but it's not our land you know so we are excited that at least now at the cabin which um we actually never intended to live in we were like we'll clean it up slowly and we'll um renovate slowly and then you know maybe eventually it could be like an income property for us that could maybe help us like pay off or save for this other piece of land um has now going to become our home and so like all the renovations has been expedited but we also never we intended to landscape it and make it like this edible landscape but you know i didn't really plan to put like growing beds there or anything like tomatoes and so now we're getting real creative and savvy with that so I think we're getting the outlet and we're finding like the beauty in this really small space in one of our favorite parts of Kentucky so it's definitely not like a consolation prize it's just like a totally different dream so we're just asked to like refocus you know and so I think because we were running at something so fast it kind of like was hard to be halted and then be like, oh, but, you know, I still love or want to do this other thing, too. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like redirecting energy um, and effort, but totally not a bad thing. Just had to, like, find a good uh, mindset about it, I guess. Yeah, and I think it speaks to something that farmers have always been really good at, which is making the most with what you have. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, like, it's so great because, you know, since we're not farming, again, we can just, like, throw our support at people that are and try to, of course, buy from them, one, but then, like, two, send other other people their way. Or even if it's something as small as, like, promote them on social media or, you know, et cetera, just, like, something that we both already kind of do in our nine-to-five jobs can now just bleed over into even more so into the community, um, a farming aspect of our lives and, um, just try to be like really good supports to folks that are able and to grow food because, you know, it's so important during this pandemic, even more so than it normally is to like support our local folks, buy local, eat local and, um, keep that money in our region, like local and regional economies. Um, you know, it's just like, if there was ever a time in my 29 years of life that I felt like this was like, oh my gosh, if we don't do this, what's going to be is like now. And so being able to like spend time trying to amplify that and encourage folks uh, is not a waste of time. You know, it's definitely a worthwhile um, way to spend some, some hours. So um, I've been trying to do that uh, as much as possible. Because, you know, I was like, oh, we'll be a part of the effort. We'll grow food for folks. But since that isn't the case, how can I encourage those that are growing food for folks in Kentucky? That's such a great great way to look at things, I think. I mean, right now, so this is switching gears a little bit, but not a ton. I've been thinking a lot about, you talked about having, like, access to land and access to resources and kind of the instability that was kind of forced on you in terms of, like, having renting land and growing on spaces that you don't own yourself. I, you know, have been reaching out to folks and trying to learn a little bit more about the racial history of agriculture in Kentucky. Right. Just because of 
you know, what's going on right now, just trying to educate myself a little bit more. Uh And I don't know how to phrase this, but like I was having conversations with folks when I first started this job, um, particularly Andrew and Reva that have North Farm here on Lexington. Uh, It's a little urban farm about how whoever owns the land has the power in most situations and how it can be even more difficult for folks of color to be able to purchase land. Um, Historically it has been, but especially now if like white folks who are able to get loans are having a hard time, I can only imagine um, what folks of color that are trying to purchase land might be going through right now. I, like you said, can only imagine. Um, Actually, before you called, I was trying to watch a video on something just like, like almost exactly about this topic. When loan applications go through banks, I forget the percentage, but it was like X amount of times more likely to go to a white person or family over a black or minority, especially even down to just like what names look like. Uh, on the application and things without even meeting the folks. Um, But, of course, I can't speak to that from personal experience, but I guess I would just say I could only imagine how much more difficult it would be because, you know, I am definitely privileged. I uh, am a white female. I, you know, have a 9-to-5 job that has a salary. I went to college. You know, my privilege just stacks up. And I've been trying to buy land for two years. And some of the biggest hindrance has been, you know, um, because of relationships with lenders and things. Um, So it just seems unfathomable to try to understand what it would be like for someone, um, a person of color, minority, an immigrant, et cetera, um, to do the same. Right. And I mean, and you also, like, with your job with Extension, do you think that you have, like, a better understanding of the resources available? Or is your work, like, a little bit um, separate from that? I actually think it was back when I worked for CFA. Okay. That I really learned about the resources uh, to Kentucky farmers and and, uh, farmers nationally as well, you know, some of our national programs. But... um, especially having Kevin, who his job is still directly working with. Actually, we worked in the same region when I was with CFA, um, and it's how we met. So he still works with farmers every day, and um, it kind of keeps up on the resources for us if I miss something. Um, But, yeah, I would like to say we're pretty well connected. Um, But even just some that we've had recommended to us um, by, you know, other, like, ag technical assistance persons um, have been dead ends for us. And we're actually rerouted ourselves eventually to more conventional forms of lending because actually the agriculture ones were more of a hindrance than the, um, than the traditional route. Why do you think that was? Um, Well, one in the beginning, one was actually, I believe, we can only speculate because, uh, yeah, this is total speculation, and I won't, I'm not going to name any names, um, but because we're not married, and we're not, like, we live together, and we 
um, have a business together, um, and we're in the South, in the part of the Bible Belt. Um, I think, honestly, in the beginning, that was one of our issues. Hmm. Because I couldn't figure out any other reason. We had jumped through every hoop um, and still were told that our application wouldn't be pushed on past the local office. Wow. So that was very interesting. And it was a program that, you know, is still today shared. This is a great resource for farmers. And if I ever talk to people one-on-one, I'm like, I would be just cautious and don't get overly excited about it. You know, just like, and I, I actually knew folks, um, some other folks that had tried to go through that stream as well. And, and you know, their hindrance was something different than ours. So I could totally just be internalizing things. Um, but also didn't end up using that form of um, funding as, as well. So um, just interesting. Yeah, I don't, you're not the first person that has told me that that's an issue that they've had as well. I think it tends to be a thing. I know people that have started have needed not farm business loans, but just business loans for businesses they've tried to start with their partners um, that have actually gotten married so that they could get their loan. Um, Mm, I believe that. Yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, It's part of the reason why we incorporated so early because then we were like a legal partnered entity Mm -hmm. Um, and opened a bank account together and things. Um, that we hadn't done prior to try to like mitigate some of that. What a cool way to get to like, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say like, for example, two folks that are married to other people and want to go into business together, you know, can get a loan. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's just being like an LLC or something, you know? So it just became a weird, different dynamic when we were, like in a relationship and wanted to I don't know I think it's so cool too though because you hear about people have been using the term like relationship anarchy um a lot and I love that way of like getting around like hey like we're not going to get married to get this loan but we will do like this business partnership it's such a cool way to think about um like obviously you're in a relationship together but also like business is part of that um mm-hmm. yeah I never heard of that term yeah that's funny I like it <laughs> um me too well I hope you have a great rest of your Thursday thank you mm. I think we're gonna work on the chicken coop at the new place later today sweet we'll make it move thank you Jan be sure to follow Jan and Kevin on Instagram for lots of garden tips and stay up to date with their farmstead going ons. Her Instagram handle is at Fox and Hen Farm. In the interview, Jan mentions her own difficulty accessing loans. And we were wondering what difficulty folks of color might have in, with getting loans. I did just a little bit of research and found a Washington Post article from 2018 that found for home loans at least Black folks were five to ten. Black folks were five to ten percent more likely to be de- to be denied. Check the show notes for a link to that article. Speaking of loans for Black folks, have y'all heard about the Black Farmer Fund? Community Farm Alliance has partnered with Black Soil to provide one-time grants of seven hundred and fifty dollars to Black farmers. 
The first round of awards went out to 43 farms and totaled $31,900. We're still seeking donations. If you'd like to contribute, you can get on your cell phone and cash app dollar sign C-F-A-K-Y. You could mail a check with a note to let us know it's a donation, or you can contribute through the online donation portal. A link for more information is in the show notes. Thanks again to Jan Nappage for everything she does, to Brett Ratliff for our show music, to WMMT for supporting and airing our show, and to you for listening. If you love the show, tell a friend. We're now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. If you know someone we should hear from or have, a, or have feedback for the show, email me. My email is shelby at cfaky.org. Have a good month, y'all. Mm-hmm.